So this evening, it's a privilege to have um, Sister Dipankara visiting from Burma. And one of the reasons that it's particularly a pleasure, beside the fact that <clears throat> having spent some time this afternoon with her and um, listening to her, I, I realize that she's a very uh, fine meditation teacher, is that usually the meditation teachers that make it to the West are these old guys. <laughs> from Thailand and Burma, the Ajans and Sayadaws, and there aren't really very many examples of um, both the feminine spirit and as a meditation master um, and someone who is perhaps a little more contemporary. So all of that, um, and you'll you'll get to you'll get to listen to her, fortunately. Um, Last week, for those who were here, the teachings that we went over were the um, ten paramitas, the ten qualities of uh, or perfections of the heart, um, of generosity and integrity, of uh, wisdom and loving kindness, and so forth. Um, and tonight, partly as a way of introducing what Sister Dipankara may speak about, knowing that one of her own teachers, her own masters, um, ways of teaching, and, and really a specialty that she has cultivated in herself, is that of a deep concentration. Um, I wanted to speak about that, um, kind of fleshing out different aspects of Dharma teaching. There are, it's said, um, a, a number of roads to awakening in the Buddhist tradition. Um, there's certainly a road of faith, and devotion. Um, there's a road of pure wisdom in which one pays attention to the world more and more clearly and deeply, seeing its true nature as arising and passing away, and understanding that nothing can be grasped or clung to, and finding a wisdom in that, pure mindfulness. There's also a road that is um, the road of concentration, in which um, through a very deep capacity that we all um, have at some time or another in our life, through the cultivation of the deep capacity for inner concentration, um, a kind of wisdom or understanding of the nature or of, of life opens to us um, in ways that are rarely available without it. And this is a kind of gateway, if you will, to what are often called mystical experiences. William James, if you recall, the great um, American kind of preeminent beginning of Western psychology in the U.S., um, talked about how we live in a limited state of consciousness, and yet, as he said, all around us lie infinite varieties of consciousness separated by the thinnest veils. And those different states of consciousness, if you will, um, really begin to give us an experience of the shift of identity from who we take ourselves to be, from the small sense of self that's going around with needs and desires and fears and confusion, sometimes called the body of fear, to open beyond that to realize um, a truth that is much bigger than that contracted or small sense of self. Sometimes that happens in a very gradual way for some people on the path of spiritual life, so that in my, my book, um, new book, um, where I interviewed meditation teachers and practitioners who'd done 30 and 40 years of practice, one question I asked people was, what was the most surprising thing that you discovered, or sometimes what was the most difficult thing in your years of practice? And this one teacher said, well, the most surprising and difficult thing after 30-some years of meditation and now teaching for years, many, many people, is that nothing ever happened to me. All these other people had glorious mystical experiences, or some of them, and I have simply practiced 30 years of generosity and kindness and letting go over and over and over and over. And my friends tell me I've become very wise, but I don't really feel very different than when I started. So that's one way the path unfolds for people. 
And my teacher, Ajahn Chah, one of my teachers, um, used to say to certain people in the monastery, especially those where concentration wasn't so natural, he would say, your task is to quiet your mind, to become quiet enough to notice directly how the mind is working from situation to situation, moment to moment, to see when you get entangled in pleasant and painful, in sights and sounds and ideas of how things should be. And as you do, to realize moment to moment the possibility of releasing that grasping and letting go of suffering and coming to liberation or freedom. But he also taught, for those who were able, um, very deep concentration meditation practices. And Sister Dipankara's meditation master, her teacher Pao Seyada, specializes, among many things, in that set of teachings. Um, you find, if you go to Buddhist countries like Burma or Thailand, actually most people don't practice meditation very much. I guess that would be honest to say. Um, because there's so much devotion, they almost don't feel they need to. They come and they bow and they have so much love for the Buddha, that feels like enough. Um, but once in a while you get some people to come and meditate. And even so, um, at least uh, Sister Dipankara was saying, so I was asking about the people who come by the hundreds to her teacher's monastery who do want to practice meditation. Many, many thousands more just come and kind of pay their respects and make offerings. She said, truth to tell, the women are a lot better practitioners than the men (laughs) for some reason. We don't know why, but it happens they are able to sit and quiet themselves and go more quickly and deeply. It seemed to be, as the conversation went further, that a number of the men had a lot of ideas about what was supposed to happen in their meditation, (laughs) certainly ambitions, that the women were able to uh, somehow let go of. Anyway, one of the key elements in the teachings of the Eightfold Path of the Buddha, and one of the key elements in retreat practice, which some of you may have done and Clearly a number of you have not, is deepening that capacity for both calm or quieting of the heart and mind and concentration. And our modern society has almost forgotten that calm exists. It's so fast and speedy and complicated and, and we get caught up in it. We seek what, what my friend Wes Nisker, who teaches here, says, we are seeking endless excitement and perfect peace. (laughs) But unfortunately, they don't necessarily go together. (laughs) And we're so busy collecting and gaining and tending and managing and scheduling and so forth that we forget the simplicity and the joy of just being, the way the Amish people live in the country and just walk from one place to another and feel each step of being with one another. We're, We're... we're almost deprived of that stillness. Thoreau wrote at one point, beware of any activity that requires the purchase of new clothing. (laughs) This is his expression of simplicity, to keep things very simple. And Gandhi put it this way, he said what we need to learn, he called a blessed monotony. That is that the sun rises and sets every day. The moon is in her orbit. There are the rhythms of the fields and of the seasons of the trees and the rhythms of the cells of our own body and the rhythms of our breath. And to learn calm is to come back to those natural rhythms where the body opens, the heart opens. There's a kind of ease that's possible. And it's one of the invitations of a genuine spiritual life to find that. A poem from Rilke called The Swan. Do we have swans in Burma? Forget. This clumsy living that moves lumbering as if in ropes through what is done and not done, you know that living, reminds us of the awkward way the swan walks. And to die, which is a letting go of the ground we stand on and cling to every day, this is the moment-to-moment death, is like the swan when he nervously lets himself down into the water, which receives him gaily and flows joyfully under and after him, wave after wave, while the swan 
unmoving and marvelously calm, is pleased to be carried, each minute more fully grown, more like a king, composed farther and farther on. One of the major differences between Eastern and Western psychology, Western psychology is a lot about understanding and insight, investigating even our identity in a deep way. But one of the things that Eastern psychology teaches that's usually missing is the quality of stillness and calm and deep concentration. Because through that, we can listen in deeper and deeper ways to the way things are. And we all need, in our life, rest. We need the seasons of sleep, the the rainy season to come back and water the earth, the things that nourish our own inner life. And this quality of remembering simplicity of nurturing calm in our life, out of this calm comes, grows naturally, the last step of the Eightfold Path of the Buddha, which is deepening concentration. And the word concentration, one of its words in Sanskrit or Pali is samadhi, really means a wholeness or a steadiness, a unified quality of body and heart and mind, absorbed, undistracted, and some de- to some degree, it's necessary in all great arts, whether you are making music or a programming computer, or whether you are a doctor or a nurse, a healer, tending to your patients, whether you are sailing a boat or making love or raising children, the quality of wholeness and completeness in our attention is what gives a a beauty and a fullness to that activity. It's a key to the spiritual arts and inwardly to contemplation. Jesus put it this way in the Gospels, if thine eye be single, the whole body is filled with light. Um, Or Alan Watts who talked about us being trapped in the skin encapsulated ego. And what was necessary was to find that way to step outside of that skin-encapsulated ego and discover the light that is in us and around us. As you begin to pay attention in the course of a life of spiritual investigation and meditation, you work at times with loving-kindness and compassion, those dimensions of the tender heart. And sometimes the work is to really look directly at the nature of mind and see that it is empty, clear, that it is formless and contains all things. That the mind can actually take the shape and identity of the qualities that come into it or that we cultivate and practice. Now, concentration is the training on our behalf to enter certain deep states or fill our minds with certain qualities or access certain dimensions of our being. It brings a shift or an opening of consciousness and sometimes it will come by accident. You know, if you're in the middle of a car accident or some great loss, all of a sudden you're shaken out of your normal way of being and there's these other amazing states that will come. They can happen in lots of ways to people. But the art of concentration in spiritual life, which is offered in literally a thousand different ways, is to use the breath and its repetitions, or the sensations of the body, or a mantra, or a prayer, or a candle flame, or a visualization, or a mandala, or certain feelings such as loving kindness, or joy, or compassion, or certain practices of simplicity, and fasting, and... and, uh, um, going away like a vision quest, far from um, outside stimulation. To use those and repeat them over and over until we become completely filled with or one with that experience and it becomes a gateway to open our consciousness to new possibilities. And I remember being in India, in Varanasi, um, uh, and going to a 
a temple, I think it was a Krishna temple, along the banks of the Ganges River in Banaras. And going in on the seventh day, they had done a seven-day Krishna puja, where they were singing and dancing a certain set of phrases and prayers. They had a big fire and altar in the center, and they were walking around this fire, doing this prayer over and over again for seven days and nights without stop. And when they got completely exhausted, they would lie down on the floor there and kind of rest a little bit and then get, then get picked up again. They only took water. They weren't even taking food. And just going round and around a little bit like the Sundance, the American Sundance. And I walked into that room, and it was not a room. It was a place of light, you know. And I tried to, when it finished, I tried to speak to one of these people. And she was not in what we would call ordinary consciousness, but far, far beyond that in a state quite beyond what we normally take to be our our ordinary self. And she had done it through that repetition again and again of this particular chant and prayer. What happens when we dedicate ourselves, whether it's to the breath or the sensations of body or the feeling of loving-kindness or whatever we choose in meditation, if we do it over and over, thoughts, distraction plans, start to drop away, and we give ourselves more fully to that meditation subject until we can rest in it, in the present. To concentrate, to find peace, needs a certain purity of heart, an intention, a kind of trust. Otherwise, um, you end up struggling and worrying. And it's interesting when we, as Westerners, try to concentrate. Maybe it's a little easier in Burma, I'm not sure. Um, but we do pay attention to our breath or a candle flame or loving-kindness. And the harder you try, actually, often the more difficult it becomes because there's a sense of ambition and struggle and conflict that won't stay on the breath my mind, and you're fighting against yourself. But even when you try gently to do it, as you give yourself to one subject, all the things in your life that keep you from being still will arise. Your unfinished business, your grief, your plans, your hopes. It's almost like by focusing on one thing, you get to see everything that keeps you distracted. Does this make sense to you? I mean, you just did it for 40 minutes. You try and feel your breath, and it says, fine, you think you're going to be aware of your breath. I am going to, you know, do a little day trading over here and (laughs) talk about my relationship over there, you know, and do a little bodily healing there and worry about this and plan that. And you start to see, when you ask the mind to concentrate, you start to see all the habits that keep us from being present. And these are the habits of the small sense of self. The task in the deepening of concentration is not so much to struggle against that, but to find a kind of grace, an ease, a letting go, like steadying a canoe or a boat in the water, or bringing the puppy back, sit, stay, each time the puppy wanders away, stay again, stay, a kind of relaxation and a letting go, a presence, until you learn to swim with the waves of the breath or the bodily experience, until you can actually begin to rest in them. And it's a wonderful thing, because as concentration grows, we do learn to kind of float in the breath, or float in the sensations, or float in the feelings, that it's possible, like learning to swim in water, that you can let go into an experience and trust it, and it will hold you. And over the course of training on retreat, for those who are able to do concentration, and I I guess I have to put this caveat as well, um, like that story I began with of the person who said nothing happened in 30 years. Some people concentrate, and all kinds of things happen. Some people don't. And it's just the way it is. It's by temperament. And if it's given to you through some practice, then it's terrific. And if it's not, you don't have to worry about it. There are a thousand other good ways to meditate and to practice. But if it does happen, and you get stiller and more concentrated, a wonderful thing happens to the mind and the heart. It becomes pliant and malleable. And I I never knew what these words meant until I had done it. But what they mean is, like like a wax that can be molded, or like molten metal that can be molded, what it means is that when the mind is very still and concentrated and collected, 
you can point it somewhere. You can say, pay attention to that sound, or notice the sensations in the body, or feel the feeling of love. And it will go there, it will feel that feeling, it will take that impression and take that shape and just be with it. And if you've never had the experience, it's absolutely stunning. You realize, my mind has really been out of control. Um, and it's just, it has a mind of its own, as you know. <laughs> but it becomes possible through training to actually direct it. And it does it. It's quite fantastic, doesn't it? She's smiling. I know you've done it. <laughs> and then gradually, consciousness becomes purer through these kind of practices. It does anyway, through letting go, through generosity, through your virtue and integrity. But in concentration, there's a kind of stillness and clearing of the mind, and the whole body becomes energized and able to sit for long periods of time and or walk for long periods of time. There's a sense of ease and presence, and then you begin f- to be filled with light. First, light comes in different ways, and you see it visually. Different colors will come. But then the body can fill with light. In fact, the body can dissolve into light, and it's not that uncommon. And then you realize that you are made of light. That, are, that, that the whole universe is made of light. And there are a thousand wonderful side effects that come from deep concentration. You can feel like you're floating, you know, or you can dissolve the whole sense of the body into light, or colors will come. And um, with this comes enormous qualities of happiness and joy and rapture, which come whenever the heart is still and pure. Whenever the heart gets pure, there's this wonderful happiness that comes. And the purity can be the purity of your love for another person, the tending of something that you care about, the purity of an intention or a gift. In the purity of meditation, um, there's this quality of things just getting quieter and opener and calmer and stiller and clearer. Uh, And in that, then, rapture arises. It just does. Well, it's like the most beautiful spring morning that you walk outside, only it lasts and lasts, Um, doesn't it? Or it can, right? (laughs) I remember when I was in the forest monastery first learning these parts of meditation. And I don't tend to talk about them so much on Monday night because it's it's a little bit like a tease, you know, since you're not on retreat, uh, you can listen. But maybe it's advertising, right? It's good salesmanship. (laughs) Now you're coming to a trial retreat. When I fly places on the airplane, sometimes people ask me what I do. <laughs> and depending on my mood, I might say, I'm in sales, right? Or <laughs> I'm in theater, depending on right? <laughs> But anyway, so there I was walking, doing my walking meditation, just one step after another. I'd been in the forest monastery for some weeks, feeling my breath, walking back and forth between these trees at night with a little candle on each tree, just walking back and forth. And all of a sudden, it felt like I took a bite from the mushroom in Alice in Wonderland, and my head was way up in the trees. My body got to be like 20 feet tall, and I was walking along, and my feet weren't touching the earth. They were just gliding over the earth. And I said, oh, this is really cool. I want, I want this to stay. Immediately greed came. How, how do I get this to stay? This is, and I told my teacher, and he just laughed. He said, oh, that's only the beginning. You stay here for a while. We'll train you. You'll see. So there's all these qualities that can come together with the collected and concentrated mind. Um, and inwardly, you begin to feel like you've been washed clean, like a crystal goblet. You know, that you've cleaned and washed and you hold up to the light and it just sparkles with light. Um, and with this clarity, <clears throat> then there arise dozens of states of consciousness. There are a number of states of samadhi and consciousness and they can be flavored with love or they can be flavored with dispassion or they can be flavored with compassion or they can be flavored with some particular insight. And the light can be both within one's body, or you can expand consciousness and feel that you go out, excuse me, all the way to the ends of the universe. <laughs> and it can feel like, like there is no limit to the light in the heart, that it goes to the very absolute ends of the universe. Quite wonderful experiences. These are considered um, warm-ups or side effects, really. They're good and they're, they're delightful. But one uses them in the monastery simply to clear and quiet and purify the mind and heart enough so that then, in that clear mountain air, we can examine the workings of this body and mind of this human life we've been given. And this is what mystics and visionaries have seen throughout the ages. 
Sometimes when we become quite concentrated, it's as if we have a microscope and we can dissect the experiences that seem to make us be a human being. We can dissolve the solidity, what's called santati in Pali or Sanskrit, and see it's like turning around in the movie theater and not only seeing the projector, but having your attention be so focused that you can see 35 still images, one after another, projected on the screen. And you thought it was a horse galloping along or this love scene or whatever it happens to be. And what you realize is that it's not a, a constant image at all, that it's, 30, that it's moment to moment, 35 images per second that arise and pass away. This experience literally begins to happen when the mind gets well-trained and quiet. Wherever you direct your attention into the body, in the elements of earth, air, fire, water, into the feelings that arise, into the thoughts, starts to dissolve into vibrations. And then you begin to realize that each moment, instantaneously, experience is born anew and passes away, just like those screen, those frames in a movie screen. Not as a kind of, this isn't a philosophical experience, it's a direct experience. The sense of ourself dissolves into vibrations like particles of light. And then the Buddhist teachings of the four elements or the 28 elements or the 52 states of mental factors or the 108 kinds of consciousness, all these kind of technical things start to make sense to you because you realize, oh, there's that kind of consciousness and there's that kind. Here's that sense and there's the knowing of that sense. So it can become really microscopic. And when you do, then you see that the more you cling to this river of life, the more you suffer. And the more that you can flow with it and let go, as in the Tao, the easier and wiser your life becomes. As the Buddha says in the Manikaya, in the texts, develop concentration, for one who has concentration can see deeply and understand things according to their true nature. And what will they understand? The arising and passing away of body, of feelings, of perceptions, of thoughts and formations in the mind, of consciousness itself. These five processes that make up our human existence must be wisely seen and understood for insight to arise. Thus, craving and grasping is abandoned and liberation is attained. This is the middle path which the Blessed One has discovered, which allows one to see and to know that which leads to peace to clarity, to enlightenment, to freedom. Not only can the mind become like a, teles- uh, like a microscope and you start to see all the elements that make up consciousness and feelings and perceptions, very, very quickly you hear a sound and there's the sense of the contact on the ear door and then there's the feeling that arises with it and the, the, no- the sense of the consciousness that knows it and then there's the recognition, oh, that's a song, it's a bird song and then there's the image that comes and you see all the workings of the mind and then there's I like it or I don't and all the stories that come. My mother was a bird watcher and I had this relationship to my mother and you see the whole world arises in a moment. Um, the mind also from microscopic can become telescopic, like the sky, boundless. And when it is trained in deep meditation, it becomes possible in this vast, open states of consciousness to switch channels, basically, like a television. And so you can, like you would change the channel on a TV, open yourself to visions of archetypal images, uh, of Buddhas, of um, of heavenly beings, of birth and death, of the way life is born, um, of, if one wants to believe in such things, of other lifetimes, um, or of things at a distance. Um, and these are the things that my teachers and various yogis that I knew who practiced say, oh yeah, and then I was sitting and I had this experience and that happened and so forth, that were the common parlance of the best of the meditators in the monasteries. Um, and they were describing things that a while ago in Western psychology people would say, no, no, Western physicists would believe it, <laughs> but not Western psychologists. They talk about lucid dreaming, for example, or knowing things at a distance. 
And now, of course, there are sleep labs where people are doing lucid dreaming at Stanford and saying, oh yeah, I remember my whole dream. Or there are labs, again, Stanford Research Institute and so forth, that did studies on people remote viewing, on being aware of things at a distance, and have been able to study them. But at first, it doesn't seem possible. Gradually, as one deepens in the capacity for presence and trains the mind in these dimensions of meditation, if it's your gift, if it's given to you, which it is to some of us, there comes a deeper and deeper understanding of our connection with all of life. That the membrane of who we think we are, this small sense of consciousness, gets dissolved over and over in dozens of different ways, into rapture, into light, into the seeing that we're only moments of sight and sound and taste and smell, and then the thoughts which construct an idea of self. Um, Or that we're one with the earth, with the air, with the wind, with the fire, the sun itself. And you come to that understanding which Kalu Rinpoche, the great Tibetan Lama, expressed this way. He said, you live in illusion and the appearance of things. You live kind of on the surface. You live in illusion and the appearance of things. There is a reality, but you do not know this. When you understand, when you see deeply, you will discover that you are nothing. And being nothing, you are everything. That is all. And that discovery, which again isn't an idea or a philosophy, but which comes to us each in our own way through our deep spiritual practice, is what begins to liberate us from the sense of fear, the body of fear, from the sense of clinging, from the small sense of self, to have a trust and a sense, a knowing of that which is free in the heart, which is timeless, which is eternal. And that is really the gift of the Buddha, to discover that freedom, which then avails you in all the changing circumstances of your life, in the 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows that are a human lot, to know that freedom in the heart and bring it to our relationship, our community, our family, the world that so needs it to be, in that place of trust and peace is one of the great gifts we can give. Thomas Merton put it this way. He said, life is this simple. We are living in a world that is absolutely transparent. And the divine, that which is holy, is shining through it all the time. This is not just a fable. It is the way things are. And the invitation, again, in meditation, whether it's through this gateway of concentration or just the calming of the heart and beginning to see the the contracted self and the possibility of letting go, is to discover this and the, the freedom and the joy and the natural compassion that arises from it is who you really are. So I've taken half of the time of this evening to speak. And um, I asked Sister Dupankara, because she spoke with us some this afternoon, some of the teachers from Spirit Rock, if she would be kind enough to talk, as she had with us, a bit about her own practice and her own experience in coming to meditation, um, which is not something you do in Asia. In Asia, one would be very, you'd never talk about yourself. If I were teaching in a monastery in Thailand or Burma, I would never do that. It would be be considered uh, disrespectful or unseemly. But you know how it is, it's different in the West. (laughs) I said that people actually get inspired when they hear that somebody else did something. Oh, this is possible. It might be possible for me. So, um, please, sister. (laughs) And one request. If, as you speak, if you say something and I think they don't understand the word, would it be all right if I try to mm-hmm. say that? It, I don't mean to be disrespectful, and it's not like the guy knows and he has to correct the woman, you know. I don't mean that. <laughs> this is just for translation, okay? <laughs> because my English very poor, you need to help me too. Okay? If, I, if there's something I think would be helpful. Okay. Thank so you thank you for, for that permission. And then I really appreciate, and here I can come here, 
and many people are very interested about the Dhamma and they are you all are very interested about meditation and really want to share about a little bit of the basis of Dhamma. Okay. And in our Buddhist the way of Buddhist teachings and you all already will understand it. And three session and then Sila morality group. Number two three principles. Sila okay. or morality okay. or virtue. Okay. The second is concentration group and number three is wisdom. Three sessions we divine. And there's three sessions we need to practice step by step. And number one we have to practice morality group. And for layman step by step. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now, for layman I would like to encourage to practice the five precepts, keeping five precepts. And this five precepts also very important the way of Buddha teaching. And the beginner, if we practice, we keep five precepts, our mind is totally peace and quiet, and mind is very pure, and the purification of our mind too. And because of this reason, Buddha encouraged to practice for morality growth. So for, for lay people, she said, the practice of the five precepts of not to kill, and not to steal, and not to harm others through word or misconduct, is the basis for the purification of the heart. Yes, thank you. And if we want to practice five precepts, we want to keep five precepts, we need how the way, easy way we can practice. How we can practice before that we need loving kindness. If you have practiced, you uh, practice loving kindness, you have your mind is totally softened and you also need practice, you need to practice for conventional compassion and karuna. And the metta and karuna, you need insight. Your insight must be totally. You need to train about loving kindness and compassion. And you have enough loving kindness. You really don't want to kill people. You don't want to kill each human or animals. Even animals also have attachment in their life. Everybody have attachment in our life. Everybody want to stay long life. Even if you are so sick, you don't want to die. You want to take care of your body. And you need convention, conventional and you need loving kindness. If you have enough loving kindness, you understand about that. Your feel, you can feel your feeling. If you don't want to die, other people also they don't want to die. Everybody has love in their life. And when I was six years old and in Myanmar, I saw one picture that I was very painful about that. And then one day I was in, in front of my house, I was standing there and the day religion fest festival. And one of the laymen he pulling the cow. Then you know cow and then he walked he was pulling and then I was quite interested because of the cow's movement is very slow. He don't want to follow the man. Then the man was pushed, you know. And then I saw that and the cow was slowly walked step by step, you know. Uh, he, he walked. Then when in front of my in front of my house, about five or five, five or six feet, and then he totally stopped. And then he turned to I also locked that car. The car was totally turned to my side. When I saw the car was tears coming down, you know. Well I was so painful and I didn't but I don't know why he cried. I, I my feet is very bad in my mind. And then I, I asked my man and my mother why the cow is crying. Then my mother too, because of the degree is their first table, they want to kill the cow. The cow was known he had to die. And this feeling he know about that. He know people want to kill him. Because of this reason he very upset. I also don't know, I saw about this picture, I was very upset. I also cried. And then I I prayed that night. And uh, that day, oh, the concert today, he had to die. After that, maybe he will go to the one place, the one place, because I was only six years old. And I, I only understand, I pray for him in front of Buddha. Then I, I analyzed it. If it, animals, they don't want to die. They have attachment in their life. And everybody have, if like tonight, if you go back home, someone, robot come to your room, really they want to kill you. And you know about that. Are you happy or? Worry, you know, you can feel it, you know, <laughs> and then you analyze, you analyze in your mind, your inside deeply, you know, whatever you want to do, you can penetrate your inside. Then you don't want to die. You are really afraid of the die, that, that, you know, 
and you know about that, and you can see other people feeling. You think about other people, and they really don't want to die. Even mosquito, and don't see and don't care. And then, if you think about it, your mind is totally you can control easily, and with loving kindness. And then, not only first result of killing the second one, you also should not steal steal from other properties. You. Sorry. <laughs> 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 because everybody has attachment in their own properties. And if you're going to steal, and then the person is upset. And really, they don't want to. Because of this reason, you think about yourself. You don't, you don't want to lose your thing. And people also don't want to lose. The people are also attached in their things. And because of this reason, we think about to both sides, for other people and for ourselves. And then we can control our mind and we can keep it our preset slowly, one by one. And the preset and the four preset also you already understand about it. And don't tell a lie. If you also don't like telling lie, people tell lying you. And you also should not speak lying speak. No? And number three is alcohol. Alcohol, if you, if you, this is for lay people, some are a little bit difficult to control. But now you all come and meditate here, you all learning the mind. I hope that you all can control your mind. Because, <laughs> because if today you like to drink three cups of whiskey, and you know there is no good for your mind, no good for the preset, no good for the body. And then next day, I will try only two cups. I will drink only two cups. Slowly, okay, not all. And then next day, you just try to last another one cup. And then slowly, slowly, you can cut it off. And then you, you can keep five presets very easier for you. After five, keeping five presets, your mind is very pure and very peaceful. And this type of mind is softened in your mind, your heart. Now we all are still in this hall. We can call meditation hall this. We can call meditation because we practice meditation. Meditation means we, we try to practice our mind to be wholesome mind, time to wholesome. Collecting wholesome mind in our body, not any, not only in the heart. We call meditation heart. Real meditation heart is inside your heart. You have to put your wholesome mind into your heart. You put loving kindness and you give it preset and all this wholesome mind put into your heart. And in this, your heart is become meditation heart, real meditation heart. Okay. Then your mind reflected. Then your mind is totally peace and quiet. And your heart is very peaceful. In this state, we encourage to practice by concentration state. Your mind is already certain stable, and you practice by concentration. You can focus on the object. Concentration mind is that we, we want to focus on the one object. Now we want to practice anapanasati. We concentrate on the in-breath and out-breath. The object is breath, in-breath and out-breath. And we want to practice four elements. We focus in our body for four elements: uh, elements, water element, fire element, wind element. And these four elements happening in the body. We have to true see in the body. True happen, okay. And if we can see about it, we can get concentration. If we cannot see clearly the object, mind is very difficult to control. Not stable because of wandering or because of some reason. And you cannot touch the object. And if you cannot catch the object, very difficult to get concentration. And this reason is for concentration. And tonight I would like to explain about a little bit concentration state, how we can practice. And uh, I also emphasize about four elements, meditation, how we can practice about four elements. And then we practice systematically and step by step. Okay? For in those four elements, we, for gener general knowledge, uh, elements and water elements, fire elements and wind element for group. In earth elements, earth element, earth elements, okay. And then in this element has six characteristic. The way of the explanation, six characteristic. We divide two groups. One group with heavy groups. Another group is light group. But in these two two groups, we call earth elements. But this two is opposite group. Heavy and light groove. In heavy groove, we can see hardness, roughness, and heaviness. Three characteristics we call this also an element. Soft group, um, softness, 
smoothness and lightness, three characteristics. These two groups are we call our elements, and we can see in the body one by one, truly, clearly. We practice one, another, another, one successful by one characteristic, we tend to see another characteristic to another characteristic. And then water elements, here we can see another two characteristics. Water elements, we can see flowing and cohesion, two characteristics we call water elements. And the fire elements, hot and cold, two characteristics again, this is fire elements. And the wind elements also have two characteristics, and pushing and supporting. All, okay, all 12 characteristics. Let me just add a, a little mm. comment here. So if you were to enter her monastery or her teachers, you, for a number of weeks of training, you would be given the instruction of earth, air, fire, and water um, to sweep your attention slowly through your body with the different dimensions of these elements, feeling the hardness or the roughness or the heaviness or the lightness or the heat or the cool, or the temperature and so forth, over and over again until your consciousness became very collected and refined and, and the sense of your solid self gradually dissolved and you began to directly experience how you were made of these elements more and more deeply. Is, is that correct? Okay. <laughs> Then, when you concentrate in the body, one by one, one characteristic, now you practice pushing. And you can see how pushing elements clearly appear in body, and you change to another characteristic, hardness. And hardness also we have to try to see in the body, the whole body. And then hardness feeling is appear in the body, and we change another characteristic. Roughness and softness, smoothness, one by one, and they all five characteristics we practice and focus in the body. And when you focus in the body, the elements naturally happen, clearly happen. Sometimes you can see something hot and cold. Sometimes you can see pushing and hardness and roughness. Every characteristic always happen in the body. And you just concentrate what happened inside the body, elements, movement of the elements, and your mind totally stick on the elements. And then you cannot feel outside things and you cannot, you, you cannot Disturbed by the wandering or finding everything disappear, just totally your mind stick on the element, and all the elements and your mind is just stay and your mind is totally peace and quiet, and then from this day because of concentration, your mind is totally peace and quiet, and then elements clear, the light is coming from your body. Light is we call nemeta. Nemeta is sign of concentration. Because of concentration, you can concentrate on the limit, uh, on the elements. Because of this reason, from that body, from that element group, the light is coming. When the light comes, we are not encouraged to see directly to the light. We pay attention continuously on the elements only. Practice more continuously element, then the light is coming mixed with the elements. And the light and bright light and the elements are mixed together. In this day also we pay attention on the body and then slowly your element is disappear. You can feel element. And then only your light is you can feel in your body only limita was there. Light. And so, then So gradually as you mm. feel the elements and get really concentrated, this light, the nimitta, which is the word for the natural light of the heart or mind comes. But they don't focus on it. You keep doing it until it becomes so strong that the elements disappear and you dissolve into the light itself. Yeah. And then you concentrate on that light and we practice until about one hour and then at that time only you can get concentration and your mind totally peaceful and your mind and your limiter is stick together. At that time your bright your white light is become brighter and brighter. Change because of concentration change to the like crystal. Very bright and very clear. And in this state, we we trying to practice your mind totally stick on that white line about half an hour or one hour continuously you try. And then we can get this concentration state, mind totally stable and totally stick on that object. And this we call concentration state in Upachana Samadhi and we call neighborhood of the jhana state. And we can get for this concentration state, we use this light like a torchlight, like a microscope, and 
this light we tend to see in our body the torchlight you know and then the dark then the room is very dark and you use torchlight and you can see because of this torchlight you can see in the dark room why is there why is there and without torchlight you can see anything and the same in our body we know that the two part of body inside our body we can we can see we can know but if you have not enough concentration, you can't see, you can't penetrate inside what is there. We just know only, we just study or we just general knowledge only. Really, we can't penetrate, okay? And you have now concentration, limited concentration, like you can focus in your mind to the inside the body. No, I was hoping you would tell <laughs> the story you told this afternoon of your starting to try to do this concentration. You went to, to several different teachers, right? And didn't seem right. She said no one in her family was religious. They, she was drawn to the monastery, but nobody else. Is that true in your family? You said yeah. not so? And then you finally went to, to after other Sayadaws, you finally went to Pa'o Sayadaw, and he yeah. said you should do this concentration. And what happened? <laughs> I don't want to do my It doesn't matter where you go in the world. People do exactly what they want to do. Yeah. <laughs> I tried. It's a great story. And then you just concentrate in your body, okay? And then <laughs> But I will say this, I won't tell her story. She, her teacher told her to do some practices and all these other things started to happen for her and, yeah. and she thought maybe it wasn't the right place and she was, she was going to leave. And he, you know, and, um, and um, turned out she was very stubborn <laughs> in a good way. And he was equally stubborn. Um, and eventually he had her do a couple of things that, that showed her that there was something worth staying for in the monastery. But um, it's as if she had been done, done this for years and lifetimes before. Because this was only in the course of seven days that all kinds of things began to happen in the monastery. Um, so now what she's describing are the things that she would train someone in over the course of a year or two years of training. Please, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> I told a little bit of it. <laughs> um, and then we concentrate again on the body and then we use torchlight and pay attention on the body and then you can see the 32 parts of the body are clearly I can see, clearly appear in your mind because of concentration. And in this day we understand the way of Buddha teaching Buddha is strange. You have to penetrate inside your body, 32 part of body, you have to see clearly with your wisdom. And then you can see about that you really understand our body is only 32 part of body. And then we don't want to attach in your body. And then we also sometimes can think about outside internet, external. External people also you just think about 32 part of body. You use concentration light and focus in infra of one person. Because of your concentration you can see sometimes 32 part of body. And then after this state, we just practice again, and we encourage to practice about skeleton. And in skeleton, also we focus on skeleton, not only in our body. Everybody you see must be, everybody have skeleton. And your mind can see for skeleton, you have no more attachment for everybody. You only think about only skeleton, everybody has skeleton. You know? And then you, this type of perception, if you can get, you can cover attachment in the way of Buddha explanation. Not only for this, and you also can practice concentration too. And you focus on this skeleton, and your mind totally peace and quiet, and you also can get peacefulness of mind and can get anti first jhana state because of you concentrate on the skeleton. And then after this state, and we also explain about and a vipassana session and mind and matter. And the vipassana session also we explain we use concentration mind to focus in our body. And now you can see eye, ear, nose, time, body, and habit. And you can see about that. But Buddha is explained you have to see until rising present state. Right? How you can see the until rising present state? You need to focus on this small particle, ultimate reality state. And then you can see the ultimate reality state. You really penetrate with concentration in the eye. You focus with four elements in the eye. And you can't see your eye. Eye totally disappear. 
Only you can see what's small particle is rising, passing, rising, passing, stay only. Because of so I'm just going to try and review what she just said um, for a few things. First, she talked about after you've established enough concentration that this natural light arises um, through the sensing of the body to be just the elements of earth, air, fire, and water. Then from that light, the attention is turned to see the nature of the body, and you go through, she talked about the 32 parts, which is to really see that the body is made of hair and skin and nails and teeth and bones and, and blood and all the, all the things that make up a body that make us come into the body of the earth, which is a practice that leads to uh, a detachment or a, a lessening of our grasping of the body and our fear and uh, rather an openness of mind to not hold that. And then gradually you come to see the skeleton quite naturally of your body. And when the mind is really concentrated, it is so clear that you simply turn your direction, your attention in some part of the body, and the skeleton shows itself as, as bright as day, really obviously. And from that, greater light develops, and through that it's possible to enter a whole set of different states of jhana or samadhi states that she was describing. And then when one has a great deal of openness and um, lack of attachment, a, 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 an utter peacefulness of mind that's very still, then you begin to examine the senses that make up our human experience. And she's talking about seeing the eye, not just the sights that appear, but as I spoke of in the movie image, you begin to realize that what seems like a solid image is actually tiny little particles of light that are arising and passing away in your experience and that can be known when we pay that close attention. And so what seems to be solid as a world dissolves into vibrations in consciousness, vibrations of light, vibrations of sound, and so forth. And then we also continuously practice about eye, and we penetrate in the eye, you can see, on the rising person, but Rupat Lapa is staged. And then we focus again. In this stage, we can see two both sides. Some Rupa is clear, some are not clear. And clear club, but we got two types of rupas matters are arising in the eye. And then we focus again each rupa with concentration mind. And you focus in this each club, you can see inside four elements. Even one club, you can see four elements group are move energy group inside the club. So Not every moment of experience, even in a sight, if you pay close enough attention. The whole world is there in that moment. There's the earth element of hardness and softness. There's the fire element of temperature. There's the air element of vibration and movement. There's the water element. And each moment um, and each experience actually is like a, a, a tiny fragment of a hologram that contains all the elements of the whole. And you can experience them directly moment to moment through a deep attention. And not only for elements, you can see colors and smell and taste and nutrients and this type of quality of uh, even each one club and you can see it all together inside the club mm -hmm. and then if you can see about that you knowing we understand clearly what is the way of Buddha explanation is Rupa and you understand and you also knowing in this moment arising passing is very quick quickly arising and passing because of concentration, you can penetrate and you can understand about this state. And then you know about rising person, you just focus about rising person, and you understand about we penetrate about impermanent and suffering and non-self. And then you know about I after that we change, turn to change to the ears. Here also you focus for elements, and then from this area inside we call clearness of the ears, one pass inside the ears, focus about four elements. In this area, only you can see about some rupa clapa, same like I. Everywhere you just see about small particles rising, passing, rising, passing. And nose, ten, body, and heart. Every part you just penetrate, only you can see about small particles rising, passing, rising, passing. And you cannot see about your eye, you cannot see your nose, you only can see about rupa is rising, falling, rising, passing away. So you yeah. go through the sense stores of sights and sounds and smells and tastes with this profound attention, gradually more and more deeply, the sense of being a separate individual 
further and further dissolves away. There are simply vibrations arising and passing um, at each of these sense doors, none of which can be held as oneself. No boundaries, no sense of I and other, um, but simply moment to moment the arising and passing in space of experience within consciousness, pure when it's not grasped. And even mind after this, you understand about it, and we also change to this for mind session. Mind session also we practice wholesome mind and unwholesome mind. How to arise in thought process because of color, because of smell, because of taste, and how to connect mind and matter together, arising present state. And then this one also we can study because of concentration. Mind is very quick. Even one second, you cannot count how many thought process arising. And we need concentration. We have strong concentration. We focus in your base, heart base, and you focus, and you can see what thought process arising, passing quickly. And this is we understand about mind and matter session. And then we also practice what we personal detail, and we also practice what next dependent origination, and then past, present, future. How it happened about mind and matter session, cause and effect, and then we we. Study step by step. Do not I worry about time. So Just <laughs> Sorry. Three, four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then we practice the uh, dependent origination. We practice uh, and mind and matter present five aggregate candles, five aggregates, mind and matter. And we understand about that. We clearly understand concentration state. We clearly understand about vipassana inside knowledge and deeply understand. And then in this state, we knowing. Inside knowledge, step by step, and we can practice until enlightenment. Uh. <laughs> and is enlightenment really possible for people in these days? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what what sister has described to you would be a series of trainings that, depending on one's temperament, if you were temperamentally suited for this. And you were to go into the, her monastery training, you might do over the course of six months or a year or two years, and would take you through all these different dimensions of what are called Buddhist psychology. But that's just a the theoretical name. What really is is an examination of what makes up the heart and the mind and the body more and more deeply until there's a, this profound familiarity with the elements and the energies that make up all the dimensions of body and mind. And what it means to really be free in the midst of all of them, with a with a kind of understanding. So I'm hoping that Sister Dipankara will come back here next year and do some meditation training for people that um, are interested in doing this practice for a period of time. I don't know if you'll get very many people signing up for a year to start with, but they might trade <laughs> ten days or a month. It's more likely. Um, and I'm very grateful that you came to uh, teach us and to inspire us. So I thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And I just want to thank you all for um, your patience in coming this evening. Um, and before we go, we'd like to do one very simple chant, just to kind of bring a sense of calm to the room. Um, in the um, I talk about this sometimes. In the uh, Buddhist tradition, there's a text called the Sutra of Complete and Perfect Wisdom in 80,000 verses. That's, that's then summed up in 8,000 verses and in 800 verses. And fortunately, for our sake at this moment, it's also summed up in one syllable, which <laughs> saves a lot of studying on your part. Um, <laughs> And the reason this syllable is the sound of perfect wisdom is it is the sound of letting go or opening. It's the seed syllable in Sanskrit, ah, sometimes called the first sound or the last sound. So what I'd like us to do is simply chant or sing the sound ah together um, for a short time um, and then rest in the stillness afterward. Well, for a minute or so we'll do it. And as you do, you can feel what wants to let go of so you can open. Ah, add harmony. Ah, ah, ah. 
So may you remember this place of peace in your own being during this week ahead. May you be well and thank you. Take good care. Good night. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.